Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer, and today I have on my friend, Hannon Kim. You guys may follow her on Instagram already at Tahoe Little Black Cabins, and I got to meet her in person for the first time a few weeks ago. We were at a, I don't even know, mastermind retreat, business networking event, something shindig, and we just got to talking on the couches out by the pool. And when she was telling me about her portfolio, I was I had followed Tahoe Little Black Cabins already, but I'd never put the face with Hannon. And then realizing that she was the person behind it, I was like, girl, like your projects are so cool. I want you to come on. So here she is today. But Hannon, welcome. And in your own words, would you also like to introduce yourself and tell us about your story? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me today. This is so exciting. I've uh been a longtime listener of the No Vacancy podcast. So this is really an honor to be here. So thank you, Natalie. Of course. Um, yeah. So let's see a little bit about our story. Um, so I grew up in Northern California, uh, Silicon Valley. I went to college at a liberal arts college in the Napa Valley where I met my husband. After college, we moved to Phoenix area for a while. My husband actually went to nursing school out there. And after he finished nursing school, we wanted to move back to Northern California. And obviously, Northern California is extremely expensive, a very high cost of living area. So we were already pretty nervous about it. I was working in management consulting. I was traveling a ton. My husband was working as a registered nurse, and he was working a ton of overtime. And so we just basically already kind of knew that this wasn't going to work long term. So we were always kind of looking for like, different ideas for entrepreneurship, for side hustles, things like that. And when we decided to move back to Northern California, we had that in the back of our minds and we were out house shopping and uh, we found this house that uh, interestingly enough had like a junior accessory dwelling unit. And so my mind instantly went to Airbnb, which this was like back in 2015. There wasn't a lot of people on Airbnb, but I happened to know about it because I was traveling a lot and I used to bring my husband and my kids when I would travel and Airbnbs were just such a better option because, you know, you're not like having to go to bed at eight o'clock when your kids go to bed when you're all in one room. So, so I just like pitched it to my husband. I was like, we should just buy this house and we should uh, try to put the other unit on Airbnb and see how it does. And he thought I was crazy, which is like always the thought. (laughs) So Same with Um, my husband. He goes along with everything, but he's like, okay, go for it. 100%. That's my husband. He like thinks I'm crazy, but he's like, let's just see how this all pans out. So we bought the house. We ended up putting the unit on Airbnb and um, immediately started getting bookings. I don't think either of us really expected that. And it was kind of cool because we just got like 
the taste for it and like an understanding of like how it all works, but in a very like smooth transition because we were living on site. We were kind of learning how it all operates, all of that. Um, Did you live? Oh, maybe you're about to get into that. I was just going to ask, was this like a tourist area where like short-term rentals made sense or were people booking like more midterms? I feel like midterms are more of a recent thing. So what was that like renting a Uh, new? This was actually a destination area. So, I mean, I assumed that, you know, it would get rented out. I just didn't realize like how well it would do. We actually put it on the platform before we even closed on the house. We were just like, eh, let's just see what happens. We just like literally used the Zillow photos and we put them up there. And I remember like I created my listing at like nine o'clock at night. And then I remember just like going to sleep and waking up the next morning and I had like 10 bookings. And it was like people coming from like all over the world, from like Germany and Copenhagen. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. Wait, so did they book for before you even had the keys or like, did you block the dates off until you'd have it? Exactly. (laughs) I literally like blocked the dates. I knew we were closing in like July. So I gave us like a week to get the place ready. And then I like opened the calendar. So basically like we closed, we got in there, you know, we did some like slight renovations, some painting, like replaced hardware, like retiled the backsplash in the little kitchen, that sort of thing. But we like immediately got booked and it was just like this proof of concept. I was like, oh my gosh, this like works. And unfortunately that area has like really tight regulations. So there really like aren't like options. You can't just like buy, you know, continue to buy more short-term rentals and whatnot. So we just kind of sat tight, but like we really realized we were in a very unique position because basically the Airbnb was more than covering like our living expenses in terms of like housing and things like that, housing and utilities and all that. So we were basically living for free house hacking, whatever you want to call it. And so we just knew we were in a very like unique situation and we did not want to like squander the opportunity. So we just like saved everything that we made with the intention to reinvest. And for us, we knew like that area was not good for short-term rentals whatsoever. Like it wasn't, there was no possibility of like buying another short-term rental. So we decided um, that we would buy long-term rentals because like at that time I was learning a lot about real estate. I was listening to podcasts and nobody was really talking about short-term rentals back then. It was all about long-term rentals. So I figured, well, let's just buy long-term rentals in this area And, you know, we'll just like hopefully get appreciation and tax benefits and things like that. And so that's what we did. So we kind of made it a goal that we would buy at least one long-term rental a year. And in order to do that, since like it's such a high cost of living area, like your average house was like $600,000. So for us, we just like said, okay, well. Back in 2015, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now they're like (laughs) 1.2, 1.3 million (laughs) dollars. But at that time, so what we decided to do, because I was like listening to a lot of podcasts and so I was kind of learning like, how does this all work? And so I was like, okay, well, I think we have to buy like owner occupied homes. And so we're just going to have to keep moving every year. And so that's kind of what we did. We would like save, we needed about $50,000 to buy a $600,000 house because we did owner occupied loans, 5% down. So between the down payment and the closing costs, it was like $50,000. So every year we would just like, buy a house and then move into it, live in it for a year and then rent it out to a long-term tenant. And then we would just like buy the next one. And so over the years we had like, I think we got up to four houses in that area. And at that point it was 2020 
And I had just had my third baby and it was like an unexpected pregnancy, surprise baby. I thought we were done because I have two older children and we were actually like on a trip. We were in Lake Tahoe and I was, my husband and the older kids were out snowboarding. We're a big snowboarding family. And I was, you know, there with the newborn and we were listening. I was actually listening to a podcast while he was sleeping and it was the Avery Carl podcast. Uh, the famous like bigger pockets one where she talks about short-term rentals and she kind of put a lot of that on the map. So I already had like this short-term rental background, but I had never thought about like long distance real estate investing. I did not even know that that was a thing. I did not even know there were short-term rental markets all around the country and that people were buying short-term rentals. And this huge like light bulb just went off in my head. And so when my husband got back that night, I was like, I think we should buy a cabin in the Smoky Mountains. And of course, he thought I was crazy again. But I ended up booking a call with Avery and I talked to her and she was great. And basically, she talked to me a lot about the Smoky Mountains. But like, I could not convince my husband to buy like across the country. He was like, no way, Jose, I'm not doing that. And so I was like, okay, well, like maybe we can find something closer. And he happened to be in Tahoe at that time. So I was like, well, well, we should look at Lake Tahoe. And so he agreed to that. And so we just like for a while, we're just looking at listings and he sent us or he sent me this listing and it was these two like God awful like cabins. They were seriously like the pictures. They look like haunted houses. Like, I mean, we're talking, I love there, it. Was, <laughs> there was like cobwebs, exposed wiring. There was uh, freaking mouse droppings all over the place. It was just like awful and I just looked at him and I was like are you kidding me right now like no way and he kept sending it to me sending it to me sending it to me and at this point we're like in the middle of 2020 and you know what was going on like COVID everyone was moving to the mountains like the market was crazy yeah and so we kept going up on the weekends and looking at houses or cabins and things like that but every time we looked at something it was like immediately under contract So we were up there looking at a cabin and it just so happened it was like down the street from the ugly ones that my husband kept sending me. And so he was like, can we just go look at it? And so finally I was like, fine, sure, whatever. We went and I like immediately fell in love with the setting of it because it was just like a very private lot and which was unusual for that area. And so I actually am a licensed California agent. So I actually just called the agent and was like, Hey, you know, like I'm here. Do you mind? Like, can I see, do you have a lockbox, anything like that? And it was so funny because these agents were like part-time bartenders and they were totally, of this was not, yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't they be? They did. <laughs> exactly. Like they really had no idea what they were doing. Like the listing had fallen out of contract, literally just fell out of contract like that morning. And I don't think it was ever really online to begin with because the previous owner was going to try to like sell it to a friend or something. And he had done all the due diligence on it, but decided not to go forward with it because he thought it was like more work than he was really equipped to take on. So we we were like, okay, well, send us like all the reports and stuff. And we ended up looking at it and I knew it was going to be a huge project. And my husband was like, over there all wide-eyed like he had just seen the most beautiful place he had ever seen in his life and I was just like okay fine let's do it at least I thought we had a chance to like get our offer accepted and not have to like pay a hundred thousand dollars over so we made an offer that night and and it was accepted 
And so at this point, we like, we're like, okay, I guess we're going to like spend our weekends up in Tahoe and start renovating these things. And then there were like some are buyers. You, are you willing to share how much you guys put, offered? Oh, absolutely. What the purchase yeah. Price was? Yeah. So the purchase price, they were asking 600 and I think it was like 610 and we offered 594 and they accepted okay. it. Okay. And how big yeah. was the place? So it's actually two cabins and they're each about a thousand square feet. So they're two bedroom, one bath, you know, one is considered the main and then one is considered like an ADU, but quite honestly, they're about the same size. So, you know, and it's just kind of cool how they're like situated and stuff. So what we learned about it was like, well, we can stay in one and that'd Mm -hmm. be like kind of like our family cabin. And then we could rent the other one out and then not have to like, because you know how it is when you own a short-term rental and you want to go stay at your place, but you're just like, oh, then I have to block the calendar and all that. Mm-hmm. So I just like, I love the idea of this because I just wanted, like I said, we're a big snowboarding family and I just wanted to be able to just pop up whenever we wanted and stay there for like, you know, long periods of time and stuff. So that's what we did. Were you planning to rent out both or one was surely just going to be your guys's cabin and then the other one would be the rental. I wasn't really sure, to be honest with you. I just figured I would like see how it played out. But after like we actually were there, we kind of just realized we really just wanted to kind of keep one for ourselves. So okay. uh, we don't rent that one out really. I mean, we'll let like family and friends stay there, but it's not like a full-time rental or anything like that. Okay. And we actually spend like, we still go out there quite a bit and we have a lot of family and friends that are always like wanting to use it so it's just kind of nice to have that and then the other thing is is like we want to give like guests their space we didn't want to have like we didn't want to have like a ton of people coming to the neighborhood and you know all the like transiency that that goes with that and so I guess like for us it was more like out of like respect to our neighbors and all of that we just wanted to keep it kind of you know just kind of keep it calm (laughs) And, and we just liked the way that it was situated so that was that's basically what we did. And yeah. And so we spent six months renovating them. And then I think in, it was like March of 2021 that we went live and, and it was like immediately booked, like solid. And I, I did not expect that at all. We did like open up an Instagram account, Tahoe Little Black Cabins. And we like had already built a following. So that was kind of cool. There were, you know, we had made like really great friends in the area. I had started an email list. I just had this idea that I wanted to like build it into a brand like from the very beginning. And so that's kind of what I did. And we opened up like a website to do like direct booking from things like that and just kind of poured like our heart and souls into it. And, and it paid off because honestly, like to this day, like that's probably one of our best performing short-term rentals. And I think it honestly is just because we had put so much like love into it. Are you still, during all that time, were you still renting the original ADU on Airbnb? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. And then by now you also had four long-term rentals. I think your story's so funny how you're like listening to Avery Carl, who we love and she's been on the show, but you're like, that was the light bulb moment to do STR when you were already doing STR. I know. I know. Like five I, years at this point. I, I know. It's so funny. But like the reason for that was because like I did not realize that you could make it into an actual like business. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the reason for that was because I was in such a highly regulated market that it wasn't an option. 
But when I realized, oh my gosh, there are like markets all across the country where you could be successful and they don't have all those regulation barriers. I mean, you know how it is. You're from California. It's like you're in a bubble in California Mm -hmm. and you just really think you're like the only people in this world. And like, so I just feel like when I, once I realized that and that people actually travel to the Smoky Mountains and they travel to like all these other like parts of the world that, you know, I had never been to the Smoky Mountains. I had never even heard of the Smoky Mountains. To be no, honest. me neither. <laughs> Until like two years ago. And then I found out like everybody and their mom has a short term rental they were buying there. I was like, I don't even exactly. market. Exactly. Exactly. But the cool thing was, was like once we launched Tahoe Little Black Cabins and they were up and running, mind you, we were living three and a half, four hours away. And so for us, like, I realized I was like, if we can do this from 300 miles away, like, why can't we do this 3,000 miles away? And I mean, it's not like if something goes wrong in the middle of the day, like my husband's going to leave his job in the middle of the day and drive four hours and go fix a toilet or something, you know? I'm like, if anything goes wrong in Lake Tahoe, what are we going to do? We're going to get on the phone with a plumber. We're going to call a plumber and electrician or whatever, and we're going to have them go fix it. So what is the difference between doing that you know, in Lake Tahoe or the Smoky Mountains. So this is so funny because your story is like, there's so many parallels to like my story of how I got started, but like without even knowing each other, like it's just so funny right now. It's all clicking for me out of all the guests I've had. Like so many people are like, I fell into this by accident. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know there was this potential. I listed it and it did so much better than I thought. And I thought it had to be close to home. But then I realized I can't even leave work to clean if there's an emergency. So I might as well just run it like it's out of state. Like these are all the same discoveries that I had and so many guests here. But it's just so funny. Like we all have these like hurdles in our head of like why it can't be done and why there's certain restrictions. But everybody I've had is just like, then I realized we might as well go out of state. So it's just making me laugh. Like everything you're saying is just like you're like telling my story, I feel like. The yeah, same exactly. learning lessons. <laughs> and it's funny because when I'm talking to friends to this day who maybe have one short-term rental or are interested in getting into it, those are all the hurdles that they have. And yes. I'm like, listen, this is a natural progression. Yes. Like, we got to get you over this. It's all like mindset. I promise you. Oh, it's really no difference. Yeah. So, so yeah. So once, once we were able to do that, I convinced my husband, I was like, okay, let's get back on the phone with Avery. And uh, so we did, and we ended up buying a cabin in the Smoky Mountains. And uh, actually we partnered with uh, one of our really good friends. Cause like, I was kind of scared. <laughs> it was a big purchase. I wanted like someone to go in on it with me. And she's a really good friend of ours. And we kind of had taught her a lot about short-term rentals as well. We helped her mom to open one, like during that time so she was kind of already like accustomed to it and stuff so we partnered on that deal and just 50 50 yeah exactly so her and her husband and then me and my husband and and we're still partners on on a lot of different deals together and yeah so we from there just decided like at this point we had replaced my husband's income by and far and so I was like I think you should just quit your job and I think we should just do this full time so thought I was crazy again, but convinced him to do it. And then we've just been kind of investing since. We moved into like a lot of different markets, um, Scottsdale, uh, North Georgia, some different areas. Um, And then 
basically in 2020, was it last year? Yeah, 2022, you know, as you know, like interest rates went up and it became like increasingly difficult to find like, you know, deals that would work. So that was the point where I started looking at hotels and really trying to figure out like how I could make a shift from short-term rentals into a boutique hotel. And so started just really kind of educating myself and learning as much as I could about that. And then just keeping my eye out for like different things and uh, got under contract on a hotel in Maggie Valley uh, with a group of other people. And it was a big learning experience for us, realizing really quick that I would have been in way over my head and wasn't ready for that. And, but I did meet my, one of the, my now business partners, Austin Palacios. So that was good. I met him through that deal. And then I was just looking and looking at different things, always on LoopNet and BizBuySell and things like that. And I stumbled across a small treehouse resort that was for sale in North Carolina. And it was about two and a half hours away from where we were living and literally had just hit the market that day. And it was like well within our price range. And it was small enough that I felt like we could do this, like, you know, in seven units, not that big of a deal. And so we got on the phone with the agent, uh, let them know we were super interested. And he made an appointment. We went and saw it the very next day and made an offer on it. So I think we got lucky because afterwards the agent told me, he's like, oh my gosh, I ended up getting like 500 calls on that place. (laughs) But he had already accepted our offer, so there was like nothing he could do about it. Um, oh my god! But I and what I what website crazy. again did you find it on? Biz by Sell. So it's like Biz a, by sell. It's a yeah. Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. Okay, so it's a website where people sell businesses, right? So oh, like they sell. weren't even selling it as like real estate. It was more as yeah. like an existing business. Whoa. Yeah, so- Okay. I mean, it was on other real estate like websites, but that's just the site that we ended up finding it on. And it was just interesting because it was an older couple. They had actually built the tree houses themselves, not like themselves, but they sure. had developed it themselves. And I just thought it was so interesting because they were like in their like 60s and 70s. And I was like, how on earth did you come up with an idea to build a treehouse resort? And they had built them like seven years ago. So they were pretty new, pretty solid. And she laughed. And when I asked her that question and she said, oh, well, I was watching Treehouse Masters. And um, <laughs> I just thought it was really cool. And I just said, hey, why don't we build treehouses? And I was like, wow, okay, that's great for me, I guess. <laughs> so, and they were cool because they needed some work, but not like a ton, nothing that was like, you know, didn't need like a gut job or anything like in a lot of the hotels we were looking at, which just felt so overwhelming to me. I really wanted something that needed design, but that there was like a value add opportunity that lied more in like the operations and not necessarily like that it needed to be renovated and all of that sort of thing. And so one of the things when you're looking at like commercial real estate, you always want to like request financials. So I'd requested financials from them and just kind of studied their profit and loss statement and just like realized there were just so many opportunities uh, for both on the income side, but as well on the expense side. 
And when I went to go see the tree house, they actually had us meet the owner. So I got to spend the day with them and I asked them a lot of questions like, hey, are you guys like on booking.com? Are you on Expedia? Are you on Airbnb? And they literally were on no OTAs like whatsoever. They were 100% direct booking. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I just saw such an opportunity right there. Did they, were uh, they paying for like Google ads or Facebook ads or something to drive that direct booking? They just were hoping that people stumbled across the website and that was it. Yeah. And they were booked. They were running at like 90% occupancy and that was all direct booking. So, I mean, they did do some marketing, but it was more like, like different publishings, like like North okay. Carolina, like publishings and things like that. But that was the only t- sort of marketing they did. So I just saw a huge opportunity because like, I just realized like, okay, we can get in there. Probably the place needs like $10,000 in furnishings, not a lot of big investment. Oh, that's um, it. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Cause they were like already cute. They just like needed, you know, to be styled, you know, we got new Adirondack yeah. chairs. We put string lights up, you know, we just did like that whole thing. Just made them cuter, changed bedding. Freshen them up, made them look a little bit more modern, but didn't do anything too crazy because we really didn't need to because the place was already getting booked so much. We didn't feel like we needed to get in there and do like this massive like design. And actually, one really interesting thing that we found out very early on is that the people that were going to this hotel was like a very specific avatar. So this area, like people come to drive this road this road called the Tale of the Dragon, which um, most people probably haven't heard of, but it's like this just really windy road that people come from all over the country to drive. And so like most of the people that were coming were either like motorcyclists or car enthusiasts. (laughs) So, and they were like, it was an older demographic, not like old, old, but I mean like, you know, like uh, mid forties to like late fifties. That was like our avatar. And so I just realized, I was like, I don't want to make this place super modern and like trendy looking because I don't think that's going to really like resonate with the people that are coming here. It was Mm -hmm. a big distinction for me, actually, especially coming from like Tahoe Little Black Cabins where I had just created this whole like modern design and this whole branding package that was very specific to Northern California, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Bay Area, Facebook, Twitter people, like very 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 different like the things that they would want versus like the things these people would want so okay yeah i had to kind of swallow that pill like very early on and just like make that distinction and so like our design is very different there because it's designed for the people that actually visit that area okay so 50 year old motorcyclists (laughs) (laughs) who want to stay in a tree house Yeah, exactly. Like I'm like, I'm very early like on realized that these people don't give two cares about a Chemex pour over drip. Like we just give them like their drip coffee and they're like, they don't care about all that stuff. So I just like, once I realized that I was like, it's a dream client. I know really it is. And they are actually, they are seriously like the easiest group of people that place like runs itself. Like I'm so not involved like it's amazing how little like complaints you get how little you know just the guests are just so low maintenance so I love that place 
That's a great, there's like a great nugget of wisdom in there. I would just, my instinct would be Treehouse Hotel has to be for that trendy, cool, hipster couple, the millennial that like wants to take really cool Instagram photos and you have to mm-hmm. do the whole lifestyle photo shoot with the models there in the bathtub mm-hmm. on the deck. Like that's just immediately <laughs> where my mind goes. But yeah, you guys already had an avatar that was working. Like why change it up? And through that, you discovered they're actually such an easy client. I love that. Yeah, it's it was really interesting. Like once I realized that and then now and actually like every project I do, I'm very careful about like studying who is actually visiting because every, you know, Airbnb is just so hyper localized. Like it's like every area is completely different from another. And whoever is visiting that area is very different from, you know, like my Tahoe to North Carolina, two completely different avatars. So if you can realize that and really kind of zone in and figure out exactly who that person is and speak to them and cater to them, you'll do really well. And you'll probably save yourself a lot of money too. Do you remember episode 68 where I got to interview Kenny Bedwell, the CEO at S-Tier Insights? Well, since this episode dropped, I have heard multiple success stories from no vacancy listeners who have been able to find their next property thanks to Kenny and his team at S-Tier Insights. If you've been wondering if the property or market you are looking at will be a good investment, or if you have no idea what market or property to start looking at, please take advantage of the free call that S-Tier Insights is offering no vacancy listeners. You have nothing to lose. With their 100% success rate, I am confident that you'll be in good hands working with S-Tier Insights. Whether you're looking for cash flow, cash on cash return, or long-term appreciation, S-Tier Insights will first help you define your goals and then identify the market and property that is right for you. The team is made up of S-Tier investors and operators themselves, so they know exactly what to look for in terms of a good market and property, and will make sure that you can legally operate in the areas they point you to. If you're ready to join the dozens of No Vacancy listeners who have already started working with S-Tier Insights to find their next property, just click the link in my show notes to schedule your free call and get you one step closer to finding that perfect deal. So I'm curious because you said that you had studied the profit and losses and you saw a lot of opportunities, one of which was that they were not listed on any OTAs. Did you end up listing those on all the different OTAs? Because now yes, I'm curious, like, are 50-year-old Harley-Davidson enthusiasts on Airbnb even? Yeah, so we did. So what we ended up doing was we put them on Airbnb. We also, like, put them on Expedia and Booking.com and all of that. And it was awesome because what that did was it drove more people. We were able to increase our prices. So they were, I think we raised prices by about 30%, but still maintained the same vacancy. So it worked out really well. And then the cool thing about Airbnb is what we found was off season. It was bringing people from like, it was bringing a totally different avatar. It was bringing more of like the type we were talking about earlier, the one that want the stylized, you know, the stylized like type okay. photos and things like that. So, it was, but it was helping us to fill in off season because like the driving people, once the roads start getting wet and, you know, no one's coming out there to drive. Right. So like in the winter and stuff, but Airbnb was great for us for like December, January, February, it brought a lot of people in. So yeah, that was great. And then just like Expedia and the different OTAs just really helped us to fill the calendar. We still really try to focus on direct bookings because the commissions are so high on like the different OTAs. 
and we can fill up so well. So it's just like this whole revenue management strategy that we employ. We block off like the weekends from the OTAs. We just like do all this stuff. We play with the calendar to like try to get as much direct bookings as possible, but to fill in all the voided days with OTA type bookings. Okay. Makes sense. I also want to ask you, because I know one of the biggest reasons I feel like our industry is a lot of people are pivoting towards buying motels and hotels is because just of the streamlined operations. You have, you know, one cleaner on staff or like one cleaning team on staff. You have your your front desk, your concierge services, your whole laundry room and operations for that. Everything's very standardized. But I'm imagining with this, how does that work? Like with seven tree houses, it's probably not enough to justify like a full-time team being on there. Do you have like a side house or like a main dwelling unit that houses like your laundry? Like how are the operations in a structure like this? Yeah, sure. So it's actually really easy. So we have two cleaners and they kind of coordinate between the two of them as far as like scheduling and things like that. So we're not even really involved in it. One of them is sort of the main cleaner. And then just like when she needs a day off, she uses the other person. And so it's kind of nice because we're really only dealing with the one who's like the main person and then she's kind of doing the rest. We have a garage on site that houses like all of our inventory. So it's got all of our like supplies and all of that. And the cleaner manages the inventory. So she lets us know like when we're running low on things, we'll do like a Costco two-day ship. We'll send her supplies. So the place is always like really well stocked. So we don't have to worry about any of that. But honestly, other than that, the only other step, like we have a maintenance guy that's like, like, I don't know, he lives like 10 minutes away. And when we call him, he's there in like five minutes. It's amazing. So other than those two people, that's all we have. And so you're right with hotels and you just have so much operational efficiency That's the thing that I absolutely love about it because you're really only dealing with one group of cleaners. You're dealing Mm -hmm. with like one maintenance team. And honestly, it's like having like seven little Airbnbs just like all in one place, you know? So I I think that 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 property is actually like easier than a lot of my short-term rentals. So sure. Yeah. So it's very streamlined. It works for the whole like Airbnb hotel hybrid philosophy works perfectly at that specific property. Gotcha. And then the seven different properties on there, the seven different tree houses, are they pretty much like cookie cutter copycats of each other or is one bigger? Do they have different bedroom configurations or are you literally just like it's one listing that went up and there's seven opportunities to book? So it's they're they're literally like copycats. They're okay. literally like the exact same thing. They're just different like wood and things like that. So inside they're stylized a little bit differently, but the actual like architecture of them, they're all 320 square feet. They have their bathrooms look very similar. Uh, okay. We built like little tiny kitchenettes in there. They weren't in there before, but we have like little kitchenettes in there now. But yeah, so they're they're very similar. Okay, got it. And we actually ended up buying the lot next door. So we're planning to develop some new tree houses like in the next couple of years. We're in the early like planning stages of that. And then those will be different. Okay. So you guys bought the lot next door. And for like visualization sake, can you give us a, like a breakdown of what these look like? The current property with the seven tree houses, like how many acres is it? Is this like flat land or like what's the terrain here? And then what's the lot next to it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's two acres total. So each lot is one acre. So, and they're right on the river. So they're on the Choa River and it's pretty flat. We have the tree houses are in a circular driveway. So it's just like one oh, cool. big circle and um, they're pretty like fairly private from one another, some more private than others. But, you know, there's so many like trees in the area that it kind of gives you that privacy anyway. So three are riverfront uh, and then there's like two kind of on the side and then there's one in the back. And then the uh, and then we bought the property next door as well. And that one's riverfront as well. And so that one doesn't have as much trees, so it's going to be very different. I think that one we might try to do something that's just like bigger. We might try to do like a couple of like one bedroom or two bedrooms, something a little different, something more fun with like a lot more amenities and things like that. Okay, got it. And then what is the seasonality like? Like how are these like fully insulated like homes or do you are you not able to rent throughout the winter? Is it snowing there? Like what's paint that picture for us? Yeah. So actually what's so interesting about this property was the type of loan that they got. She explained to me that it had to be like eco-friendly and everything had to be like to certain standards. So these things were built so well. They were built like rock solid. They have like a certain standard of installation. They have a certain standard of like windows. So they're actually very well insulated. And we could run them all year round. But last year we closed in the month of January because it just was getting way too cold. And so the only issue is like because they're tree houses, you have like the piping that's like exposed. And so... It could very easily like freeze pipes. We do have some radiant heating that keeps them warm, but we just didn't want to deal with it. To be honest with you, it was like our first year and we just like didn't want to deal with it. So we closed down in the month of uh, January of last year. Um, The people that we had bought it from, they were only operating them six months of the year. So they were operating them from like May to October. We've been able to squeeze a lot more out of that. So it's just the area is kind of rural. It just kind of, it really closes down in the winter. It's not nearly okay. as pretty, you know. I don't know if you've been to the south in the winter, but no, it's like there are no leaves on any trees. It's just not that pretty, to be honest with you. Okay, okay. So you're maybe getting, the previous owners were getting like six months. You're maybe pushing it to like eight, maybe. Uh, no, so we're like at 10 solid months. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Amazing. Yes. Okay. So we only closed down for January last year. Okay. So we were okay. like, yeah, it was like uh, 10 and a half months. Oh my gosh. Okay. So can you break down everything? I don't know if you're like comfortable sharing numbers, but you said that you were able to increase the nightly rate from uh, by 30% while maintaining the same occupancy through those six months. Then you added on another four and a half months basically of rentals. And I know one thing you said, too, is when you analyze the P&L, there were opportunities there for their expenses were too high. So what have you guys been able to do? Like kind of just walk us through that process of how you've increased revenue. Yeah, sure. So so it wasn't necessarily that that their expenses were too high. It was more that they were running a lot of personal things through their business. So Mm -hmm. one thing you want to be careful of is like you really want to look at a profit and loss statement and like look line by line and just ask yourself like, does this apply to me? Would this apply to me? Like, for instance, like they had some different like retirement stuff that was applicable only to them. They had okay. healthcare stuff that was applicable only to them. So they had like vehicle expense stuff that was applicable only to them. So 
there was a lot of different things on there that I knew that once we got in there, like they would not apply to us. And then that was like on the expense side, on the income side, again, like they weren't on OTAs. They would not take same day booking. They were just very like rigid. This is how we do it. Exactly. And they didn't allow kids or pets, which I was like, how do you not allow kids at a tree house resort? And so I actually asked him this question, like thinking like there was like a real reason for like it. Like a safety reason or something. I know. And you know what she said to me? She said, when they first opened up, there was a guy who came with his son and she came inside to kind of just say hello and show him, you know, the ropes. And the kid was jumping on the bed. And she said it upset her so much that he did not stop the child from jumping on the bed that she just said, nope, no kid. And so she just like put it on the website. No one under the age of 12 is allowed. I know. (laughs) Which like me, I have three kids. I was like, "Um, my kids would have been jumping on all over the place. (laughs) Kids jumping in the bed. Does she know what adults are doing in those beds? Like what? I know, right? I know, right? Okay. But that just like, that just shows you personality stuff, which was like a plus for us. Because we were like, okay, well, that's an opportunity for us. Like, you know, and then she's like, well, I don't take same day bookings like because I just don't want to deal with it and I'm like why not (laughs) yeah they like live next door to the property so I just like did not understand why they wouldn't take same day booking so we just like opened it up operationally a lot I think it was just their lifestyle choices though well obviously it's profitable enough that you guys bought the lot next door and are trying to maybe not recreate but add something onto this so that's a very good sign Yeah, well, we get calls all the time and we're always booked. So Mm -hmm. I think this month we only had like, I don't think we have any vacancy at all, to be honest with you. I think we're like 100% booked. So what's your nightly rate? So we're charging about $250 a night for each treehouse. So it's not like crazy. Again, it's like specific to that area. I think we could probably push it a little bit more, but this was like our first year. So we didn't want, a lot of these people have been coming for like, since the mm-hmm. very beginning and they were so undercharging and they had literally just did a price increase right before they sold it to us. So I remember her asked her telling me like, I wouldn't do a price increase for at least a year. And I was like, okay, well, I got to make money. <laughs> exactly. So we kind of just were playing with pricing and we were slowly like, you know, incrementally increasing it. But knowing how much it filled up this year we know that we're still too low so we're we're just still trying to figure out you know that happy medium between like vacancy and and pricing and things like that so what is next for you guys are you trying to buy another hotel or just really develop on this and and get that second lot going i know it's a lot easier when everything's kind of concentrated in one area but you're already pretty yeah. spread out with your whole portfolio anyway. So yeah, you know, I, we, we have no issue with like the long distance thing. So actually, we did actually buy another hotel. I haven't gotten to that part. Of the oh, time. my gosh. OK. <laughs> yeah. So six months later, after buying the Treehouse Resort, we bought a uh, an inn in Taos, New Mexico. So that one's like our newest little baby. We closed on it like July 1st. And so we've just been stabilizing that property and it's going really well. It's another property that didn't need like a ton of work. I uh, just saw a lot of opportunity just in the way it was being managed. And it was, it was a great deal. So we decided to go for it. 
that's been a whole learning curve of its own because it was a bed and breakfast and I've never dealt with food services before. And that's been, that's been an interesting. Are you going to continue the food service? No, the plan is to phase it out and just like basically just have it be an in. It's a bed and breakfast, but it's like little casita type buildings. Oh, so it's in not New Mexico. Like, yeah, it's really That's cute. like That's my phenomenal. dream, like Spanish adobe little Santa Fe style. Oh my God. I cannot wait yeah. to see this when it's done. That's I so will funny. be visiting. That's so funny because that was like my dream too. Exactly. So it, when I saw the photos and I saw like the ceilings and the, the Kiva fireplaces in the rooms and just like the whole vibe of it, I was I'm instantly like, oh my I gosh, love I love this place. Yes. Did you, so, were you an Office fan? Did you ever watch The Office? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do you remember, I don't know, the later seasons once Michael Scott was gone, but when Will Ferrell comes, what's his name? Something D'Angelo. And do you remember how there was like a whole plot line where he's obsessed with the Southwest? I don't know if you oh. remember that. <laughs> I literally was like, that is me. Like, I am obsessed with the Southwest. Like, all I want is like Spanish style casita, little hotel, Adobe Santa Fe styles. Like, what is it about like that type of fireplace and like thick white stucco walls? Like, I know. that is me. I'm obsessed with the Southwest. I know. So you're like my soul sister because that is me too. That is like my dream is to have like a Spanish style like home. I love those ones in like South Florida and, and all over California, the little bungalows, like the old like 1920s, like Hollywood style. Oh, I love those. How did you guys find this in this bed and breakfast? Actually, I just found it on Crexy, I think. Crexy okay. or Net, one of those. Yeah. And it was the same sort of deal, you know, and the main reason we went after this one was because they agreed to sell our financing. And so I like called them and just asked them like, would you guys consider seller financing? And they said, yeah, sure. And so I was like, okay. So that made that like so easy because hotel financing is extremely difficult. Uh, and the numbers really worked. And again, it was a situation where looking at their profit and loss statement, they were running an astronomical amount of things through that business that were not applicable. Like I think they had like, they were spending like $60,000 a year on breakfast. I was like, you have eight rooms. Yeah. How are you spending $60,000? What was their occupancy? Uh, occupancy is high, actually, but I th they're, they were priced way too low, but it didn't matter. I was like, that. there's something not right with that. So we got in and we like set a budget of like $1,200 a month for breakfast and we've been able to stick to it. So there was definitely like some personal spending going on there. <laughs> Just what like are you what are you providing with the breakfast? Because food service makes me it's basically an entirely different business. I think so many hosts are like, oh, we could just like add a coffee shop here. And like the amount of permits you have to get to handle food and the amount of food waste and just it, tracking inventory of things that expire like it is yeah. literally an entirely new business. So what are you guys offering right now? So we do like a full on breakfast. So we have an assistant innkeeper. She goes there in the morning and she makes them like, I don't know, this morning she did like frittata, fresh fruit, like bacon, like a full on plated breakfast wow. because that's the way they've always done it. So we didn't want to just get in there and like turn the plates upside down. And, you know, that just like wasn't what we wanted to do, especially because we came in and we had inherited all their previous reservations. So knowing that all those people booked it wanting Expecting. and expecting this like certain level of breakfast 
we didn't want to be the jerks that came in and were like, no, we're doing continental now. Or like, no, we're going to give you like a bag burrito. I don't know. Like there's all kinds of funny, <laughs> funny things that people try to do. Um, but we just like realized like, okay, we're going to like slowly transition out of breakfast, but we want to do it in a way that like guests appreciate it. And we're not putting ourselves in like a bad situation because it's a very highly, ra- uh, highly rated bed and breakfast. And we just like did not want to turn the place upside down. We want to keep up that reputation. So we, but the plan is to completely remove it by next year because that, okay, it's a chore. It's, it's a huge. Chore. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Yeah. So how long did you have to renovate this one? I know you said it didn't need much work, but how long was it before this was up and running again? Because you had those upcoming reservations. Oh, no, we haven't done any renovations. Oh, all. nothing. Oh, okay, no. okay. You just bought it and just kept on rolling. We, Exactly. And you know what? That's the cool thing about hotels is like, I think a lot of people think that they need to, you know, get in there and do this crazy design and do all this stuff and spend all this money. And a lot of times you can just find these like small hotels that are actually doing really well, but there's just like a lot more opportunity. And it's just a matter of like putting it on OTAs and like finding ways to optimize it more so than like doing some massive crazy renovations. So for us, we have a family. We're long distance. Like I'm not trying, You're not to, trying to renovate. No, <laughs> I'm not trying to buy 60 unit hotels and get investors and do all of that stuff. No, I just want something that can operate similarly to an Airbnb that can we can do self check-in that we can like go in there and optimize like the revenue management systems and optimize you know, how we're getting guests and, and the whole experience and increase income that way rather than doing all the crazy other stuff. That's just, I don't have time for that at this point <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Hannon, I think you are so cool. I already really liked you when I met you in LA, but this to me, like the trend I noticed from talking to you is you're so, it's such a refreshing approach to this industry. Like the way that you said like, oh, you know, we bought the Tahoe place with two cabins on there, but out of respect for the neighbors, we only want to rent one. And the tree houses, like we don't want to raise the prices crazy because we know that the current guests have been accustomed to a certain price point. And now breakfast, it's something we want to phase out, but we're going to leave it in place for people who already booked. Like, I, I just think so many investors would just come in and be like, dollar signs money like I can just screw all these people over and like raise the prices like crazy and I mean you'll get to that point I know every year you're probably going to increase maybe a little higher than the rate of inflation to like you know make up your costs and everything and make your investment worth it but I don't know it's just like very refreshing to hear like you have such a respect for like your guests and the previous owners and just how to treat people like I'm not surprised at all that you guys are like so successful with this and growing at such a consistent pace you've got I don't know a very like clear wholesome vision for everything I love it oh thank you so much that's so kind of you to say thank you thank you for sharing everything with us I love walking through your whole portfolio your whole portfolio it's so interesting just the twists and turns of starting with a little ADU and then the you know pivot to long-term rentals for a while and then how we came back here and now there's tree houses involved and casitas in new mexico i just love your <laughs> portfolio um i think well, you're so cool you. so thank you for sharing everything with us and i know that you have to run you got another meeting so i will let you go but is there any final thing you want to share with us or just drop how people can connect with you 
Yeah, absolutely. Reach out to me on Instagram. My feed is Tahoe Little Black Cabins. And yeah, I'd love to connect. If anyone wants to chat, has any questions about hotels or Airbnbs or anything at all, I'm happy to connect. So thank you again, Natalie. It's such a pleasure. Yes. And I will shout out, I know that Hannon has, you're offering a mentorship or a coaching program along the lines of the hotel building and all of this. So if there's a link for that or a sign up link or a wait list, please give it to me and we'll drop it in the show notes here. Is there an Instagram account for the Treehouse Resort or for the New Mexico Inn? Uh, no, unfortunately okay. not yet. So that's on our, that's on our to-do list, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll okay. get to building that. So for now it's Tahoe Little Black Cabins and you guys can find Hannon there. Thank you again, Hannon. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, we have a screenshot of a message that a guest sent to a host. And the host attached a screenshot of this and said, I'm not even sure how to respond to this. I've owned this house for 16 years and I've been doing Airbnb for the last four and have never had anyone say anything like this. They are not asking for a refund, so do I just leave it alone? All right, that's what the host said. Now let's read the message from the guest. Hey, just want to let you know, my wife and I ended up moving to a hotel tonight. I know how weird this sounds and I apologize, but... We felt uncomfortable in the house, like someone was watching us while we tried to sleep. There was a heavy male presence, as far as we could tell, and it had both of us feeling severely uncomfortable. It was such a severe feeling. Separately, my wife and I both felt as though our hearts were beating through our chests. Then, when we said something to each other, we realized we both felt the same thing and made the decision to leave. If someone in your life passed away, that may be what we are feeling and felt that you should be aware. Your home accommodations were awesome and fun. We just had a looming feeling of something uncomfortable like a presence. We are not going to leave a review because it very well could have just been us spooking ourselves, but I want to be truthful and honest with you. We left to stay in a hotel for the weekend. Thank you for allowing us into your home. It's nothing you did at all. We just had a rough feeling. We used the bathroom a few times and laid in bed. Other than that, we didn't use anything. And the host added one additional note and said, No male has passed away in my life recently. That wasn't a response to the guests. That's just what they posted. Um, Spooky. And the reason that I wanted to share this one today, this week with you guys, is because if you were a listener of No Vacancy, the podcast last year, and you remember our haunted Airbnbs episode, we are bringing that back. And next Wednesday, October 25th, is going to be spooky haunted airbnb stories part two we are bringing that back for this year i'm so excited for that episode i've already been looking for so many stories and it's it's going to be a good one it's going to be a good one but for today let's analyze this okay who do we think is the airbnb hole here the host the guest the 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 male presence look i i think everybody is in the right here I really do. Um, I don't think that the host owes the guest any sort of refund. The guest, to me, went above and beyond explaining that they actually really liked the accommodations. They went on and on to say explicitly, it's nothing you did. We loved the stay. Everything was great. We just used the bathroom a few times and that's it. And we are choosing to leave. Like they were very, very honest and like, we're not even going to leave a review. This could be just us spooking ourselves. So knowing that, I guess the host would not leave a review especially since the host says they've been hosting for 16 years. 
or what have they been doing? I've owned this house for 16 years and I've been doing Airbnb for the last four. I've never had anyone say anything like this. I honestly wonder if it's just being October. Like, did this person, their dates were October 13th, Friday, Friday, October 13th through the 15th. And they left after the first night. I think that it was just them being there Friday, October 13th, and they were spooking themselves. That's really what I think it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do believe in ghosts, you guys. And by next week's episode, you may be convinced that there is some spooky stuff going on in some Airbnbs out there. Is that the case here? I'm not sure. I think the guests had every right to leave. I think that they handled it super nicely and didn't put any blame on the host. And I don't think that the host owes them any sort of refund. And those are my thoughts on that. Get excited for a very spooky episode next week. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.